Researchers report that human and mouse neurons in a dish learn to play the video game Pong. The experiments are evidence that even brain cells in a dish can exhibit inherent intelligence, modifying their behavior over time. This is Pulse Check. I'm Megan Wilson. Here are a couple headlines I'm watching. My colleagues in the Future Pulse newsletter outlined some of the advancements in food allergies, a significant public health issue affecting one in 10 kids in the U.S. and tens of millions of adults. A few of the more interesting products in development are, one, Aladapt Immunotherapeutics is working on a drug to help patients avoid severe reactions. It raised nearly $120 million in venture funding this year. Two, Allergenis developed a blood test that can help patients find out how much of a food containing an allergen that they can tolerate. And three, UCO got $40 million last year from investors to work on engineering food to stop it from causing allergies in the first place. And new daily monkeypox cases in the United States have been falling since a peak in early August, but in other countries, case counts are still rising. Here's my colleague, Aaron Benko, on where the U.S. is looking to help provide a global supply of the monkeypox vaccine. Mexico, Peru, other countries throughout the world that are still dealing with pretty serious outbreaks. And the problem is that a lot of these countries just don't have access to two doses that can help them curb the spread. And so, as a lot of people know, we're using smallpox vaccine in various forms that can actually be used to treat monkeypox. And so the U.S. has a very limited stockpile of our smallpox vaccine that we want mm-hmm. to save for our stockpile and for like later possible smallpox outbreak, but also because we just don't know what's going to happen with monkeypox in the future. So the idea is that the U.S. is trying to look to other allies across the world to see if they have other smallpox doses they could be giving up to other countries. Mm-hmm. Japan has a very specific kind of smallpox vaccine that could potentially be used to help curb the outbreaks in other countries. It's unclear exactly how many doses they have, but they have like tens of millions that could be potentially freed up. And how much does the United States have right now? So it's, it, it kind of changes on depending on who you talk to. <laughs> so they're actually using the word vial right now to talk about our stockpile because, as you know, a couple of months ago, the administration moved to start administering monkeypox doses intradermally. So between the two layer or between the layers of the skin. So that mm-hmm. basically allowed the U.S. to extend its supply so that we'd have more doses. But they're actually counting it in vials. So we have about 11 million vials left that could be up or down a little bit, but about 11 million vials, which is not a lot when you think about what the national stockpile requirements are for, you know, potential biological threats or a potential smallpox outbreak. Like we need those vials to prepare for the future. Yeah. So, you know, you mentioned looking to Japan. How is this administration trying to, you know, work with Japan and in, in trying to free up some of their vaccines? So a lot of these conversations are happening bilaterally. So between the U.S. and Japan, but also through multilateral organizations such as the World Health Organization and on the G7 level. So there are these the, the conversations about the global monkeypox outbreak are really broad. There's a team that's working within the White House that has pulled in people from USAID, so the US Agency for International Development, HHS. But there is like sort of one background conversation that's kind of interesting that's been going on. Mm-hmm. Rahm Emanuel, who is the US ambassador to Japan, has a brother named Zeke. And for those of you who don't know, 
Zeke Emanuel is a scientist. He is a public health expert. He was on President Biden's COVID-19 transition team. He's very involved in the sort of COVID world of experts. And so he and his brother have been talking about how to get Japan to potentially give up some of those doses. So Zeke is very um, close with some people in the White House and has been kind of like liaising behind the scenes with his brother, Rom, to see what Tokyo could do to help out. That's really, really interesting. You've written about before how COVID vaccines, you know, getting those shots in arms around the world has has sort of been a challenge in many different countries. Um, you know, do we have any reason to believe that the monkeypox vaccine acceptance rates will be any different? Yeah, that's a good question. I think there are top health officials in the administration who are a little concerned that even if we were to like go the extra mile and try to get people around the world doses of the monkeypox vaccine, that the uptake wouldn't be necessarily as strong as we saw in the U.S. or the U.K. There are a couple Mm -hmm. things to consider here. Right now, what we know about the monkeypox outbreak is that it's spreading um, predominantly in the population of men who have sex with men. Mm -hmm. In some countries across the world, it's a bit of a taboo subject. And so messaging around the monkeypox outbreak has been kind of interesting to watch in some of the countries where this is either illegal or taboo or sort of like culturally unacceptable. And Mm -hmm. so those conversations have been taking place at the WHO as well about how to just even talk about monkeypox. So there's some concern about uptake, but it doesn't mean that like the U.S. is not going to try to help out when it can. So I think it's kind of beside the point at this point. And and just sort of coming up with this new messaging sort of around the virus and and sort of vaccines for it. Is that fair to say that that's, you know, a key component of this? Yeah, it definitely is. I think the U.S. is still trying to figure, we're going to have more reporting on this in the coming days, but I think the U.S. is still trying to figure out like how it can help on the global monkeypox response. It's not as cut and dry as COVID where we had a lot of emergency funding, for example, that we could use to get vaccine doses out to the world or like, you know, give to local organizations on the ground to help administer the vaccine. You know, we uh, <laughs> we don't have any funding for this response right now, right? Which yeah. is which is a huge problem. And at the end of the day, you can pull money from like other parts of the administration to try to fund the global monkeypox response. But they're like definitely in the strategy phase right now, which is interesting okay. because the outbreak is months past when it started. So it's definitely a conundrum, the funding situation. This has been super fascinating. Thank you so, so much for taking the time to talk to me today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. We're less than four weeks from the midterms, and reporter Alice Miranda Olstein has been on the ground reporting in Michigan, where voters will decide whether the state constitution will protect abortion rights or go back to a 1931 law that would institute a ban on abortions. Here's Alice. I've been talking to tons of folks here, including Representative Alyssa Slotkin. She represents a swing district. So I met her by the state capitol in Lansing. Uh, it was somewhat of an unconventional interview. I hopped in her car. I realized I should have let you stand. Um, and in the driver's seat, her aide was in the passenger seat. I sat behind her and we had our conversation making eye contact in the rear view mirror. And I was really struck at, you know, unlike most Democratic elected officials in the country, she was very critical of national Democratic leadership not being prepared for this moment. Look, I I feel even more strongly than I did in May that our national organizations 
weren't ready for that moment. You know, after the leak happened, I called around to a bunch of the leaders and was like, what's the plan? I, you know, when's the joint press conference with every women's organization? What are we gonna do the day after the decision comes out? You know, kind of what is the plan? And of course they were trying to do their best for women on the ground, but they didn't have a strategic plan in contrast to what we had ready to go here in Michigan. And I was with the head of, a, of Michigan Planned Parenthood yesterday, Paula, and I called her and was like, tell me what the plan is, given that we're a snapback state, right, with a 1931 law and uh, our ban. And she said, we knew this day was coming for almost two years, more than that even, and we have a ballot initiative ready to go. We've worked on it, our lawyers have put it forward, we've done polling on it, and then they went out and got nearly 800,000 signatures in eight weeks. This is the difference between having a plan and not having a plan. We had something in place because of the foresight of leaders here in Michigan. But I still feel that we need to do a real after action review on what happened at the federal level. And I do think we will be able to to kind of get our, our plan together, but I don't know that we're there yet. She is running for re-election. Uh, polling shows she's slightly ahead, but it's close. And she describes her district as majority pro-life, but says that a lot of people are really upset about the prospect of the 1931 law going back into effect. And that could really, you know, change how they vote in, in her district. And that's our show. Our music is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Annie Rees is our producer. Our healthcare team editors are Eli Reyes, Dan Goldberg, Barbara Van Tyne, Beth Belton, and Sean Zeller. Jenny Ament is the executive producer of audio at Politico. I'm Megan Wilson. Subscribe and follow Pulse Check for a new episode every day. And subscribe to our newsletters where you can read this reporting, Pulse, Future Pulse, and Prescription Pulse. Thanks for listening.